I'm excited to announce a new podcast sponsorship. This is a title sponsor for the next year, Tonry Outdoors. It's a company that gives back to our national parks and forests with each purchase. I believe it's about 1%. And it's designed by runners for runners. Tonry is an all-natural, mineral-based skincare company that I truly think cares about the community, and I'm very happy to partner with them. The timing couldn't be better as I'll be needing some sunscreen in Death Valley for Badwater and just very thankful for their support. I know they're supporting other runners in the trail and ultra running community. So big thank you to Tonry. Hi, my name is uh, Pete Kostelnik and I am talking Badwater and I have done the race now, I guess, six times. Didn't finish once. Uh, so I guess I have five finishes and uh just love this love the race love the geography of of it and everything that goes along with it so i'm looking for finish number six this year in 2021 if we could just free ourselves of our perceived limitations and tap into our internal fire the possibilities are endless i'll tell you about it when it happened in the race but to be honest with you it happened even before the race it happened in the training great cause oh thanks i respect that man so Keep doing what you do it, man. Keep inspiring. For all you kids out there, stay safe and stay strong. Hey, everyone. It's the Train for Ultra podcast. Got Jarek here. I was physically totally wrecked. I, I had nothing left. I figured I might as well move as quickly as possible towards the finish line if I was going to be moving towards it anyways. How do you even do that? Decided if I could finish a 50 miler i could probably run across the country 100 miles is not that far welcome to episode 174 of the training for ultra podcast my name's rob i also go by training for ultra and we have a great episode pete kostalnik he's been on the show before so definitely check out his previous episode we talked about him running across the united states and just doing some amazing um athletic feats so Pete's super talented, very smart guy, and I really, I always enjoy speaking with him. So I think you'll enjoy this episode. Big thank you to Tonry Outdoors, our new title sponsor for the podcast. Big shout out to Exoskin, longtime supporter. I can't imagine doing an ultra marathon without Exoskin products. Check out the show notes. And I will have a discount code there, the best best available at this time. Big shout out to Hammer Nutrition. Feel free to use my promo code, referral code, um, in the show notes for 15% off your first order. And then I also wanted to shout out Patreon supporters. I really like the behind-the-scenes, closed Facebook group conversations. We're all working together right now to put together a patreon only hat for training for ultra or at least very very early um access to a a training for ultra hat and i'm doing that just at cost i'm not trying to make a profit on those hats for you patreon supporters and i am also giving away 50 stickers i have a new giant giant larger sticker um if you're in the strava group you have a, a chance, just check out the Strava group for the details there to, to be randomly selected. And then for all the Patreon supporters, we'll, um, we're getting you a sticker for free. 
just for the support. So hopefully you enjoy this episode and here it is. I'm joined here by Pete Kostolnik. He's now becoming a friend of the show. I almost knocked him over during a race, 24 hours at Palmer death race. I think it was Pete. Thank you for joining me as always. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Oh, thanks for having me, Rob. I always love being on with you. One of these days, I'm going to get your last name right. I forget who keeps <laughs> saying it wrong and just it's, yeah, it's ingrained incorrectly in my brain. So, um, one of these days, I'll get it right. <laughs> um, Pete, really quick, who are you sponsored by? I want to give you an opportunity to shout those sponsors out. Uh, sponsored by Hoka, One One, and uh, Squirrels Nut Butter. Nice. Two two solid ones. And so I wanted to take some time since I have to pace and crew and film uh, Badwater 135 here in basically a week. I think exactly a week. Um, do you mind chatting Badwater specifically with me? Oh, I love it. Um, yeah, I always love to talk about Badwater. It's it's such a it's such a an enigma of ultra well, running and ultra running uh, at the same time. It is off the charts. Like you think it's hard. You watch like a little YouTube clip or whatever and you know, oh yeah, they, they have to get sprayed down a lot. But when you study it deeper and deeper, it just takes on like this whole different level of difficulty. And I don't think most people really fully comprehend it. Is that how you went into your first bad water or were you scared to death and knew how difficult it was? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I did, and I, I continued to do so much research and, you know, adjustments depending on the conditions out there and, you know, what the forecast is and, and all those things. And it, it's just a crazy race because it's, it's, combining you know so many different elements of ultra running into one with you know over like 14,000 plus feet of gain of gain across the race a big downhill in the middle you know um not to mention this the hottest place on earth and the fact that it's you know it's way further than most old other ultras you know, that, that extra 35 miles, you know, beyond a hundred miles really gets to you. And it's just one of those races where, you know, you could, you could do it a hundred times and you're still taking notes on what you can do better, um, <laughs> the next time around. So, um, I think it's like, I think it's no coincidence that they actually filmed, you know, a lot of the star Wars movies in, um, the area of the race in Death Valley um, back in the eighties um, because, you know, you're always mastering your craft and it's, you're always learning. You're always trying to do things better. And sometimes things go great and sometimes you can overthink things, but it's just one of those crazy races where um, it's just so different from everything else. Um, even in the ultra world. It really is like, it's off the charts. I mean, do you have do you have a Yoda quote that you you want to share that you're gonna meditate on while you run Badwater? <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching a lot of the um, the the Disney uh, animated series of of uh, Star Wars, and I 
there's just too many of them to, to <laughs> a good one. I mean, so what intimidates you still? You've done this race six times. There's not many guys that have done this race that many times. I mean, what aspects of it are you thinking about one week out from so you've done it you've this will be your seventh start line right that's right yeah um yeah it's just it's just one of those races where like if you know it's it's kind of like you know it's hard to come back from from the dead i know like you know maybe you know there's been a couple times where i've had you know, really poor races there. And I've actually DNF there did not finish, uh, one year. And, you know, it's just, just that memory of how hard that race can be. If you don't, you know, <laughs> if you don't train right and do everything right, you know, you could do everything right on race day, but if you didn't train right for it, um, that can really come back to haunt you, you know, other, unlike, you know, a lot of other ultras. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, is there a like a treat like a training regimen that you've taken on to finish this race so many times, like in terms of the heat or whatever course specific workouts you're doing? Yeah, it's it's a lot of things because you know that, that's like like you know, there's so many different elements that you have to appreciate about the race you know it's the distance so you have to put in the, a lot of weekly mileage to get ready um there's the heat you have to do a lot of heat training which i think was my biggest problem the year i didn't finish i didn't do enough heat training um and then there's there's downhills that you have to train for um there's uphill obviously uphills you're starting at the lowest point to you know you're going to the highest point um in the continental u.s and so i think it's just like downhill training, uphill training, heat training, distance training. And then you also want to be fit. And so it's just like, there's just so many different things um, that you have to think about uh, going into a race like that. So it's just, I think there's just more elements that you have to, like there's more levers that you have to pull um, going into a race like that compared to a lot of other races. And do you change like your your rhythm in terms of hydrating and nutrition like during this race is it i have a rhythm i have a routine that i always follow except for bad water and then i do this yeah absolutely um and 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 then the other component is that you have the you know you have there's no aid stations and it's it's really your crew so (laughs) so if you if you don't get along with your crew, you know, there's, there's nothing else out there to save you. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of, you know, it's, it's a completely different mindset, um, when it comes to, you know, just thinking about the fact that, Oh, you know, a lot, a lot of races, it's like, okay, well I got the next aid station then I'll pick this up and pick that up or I'll pick this thing up for my drop bag. But it's, uh, at Badwater, it's it's really your crew that's taking care of you the whole time. So, like, if you hit a rough patch with your crew, which does happen, like, if you, you know, like, it, it's an emotional journey. And if you're not, like, in sync with your crew the whole time, then, you know, bad things can happen. Um, so, like, that's, I think, one of the things that also 
um, doesn't get appreciated enough is the fact that everything that you're doing, you know, it's a team, it's really a team event, but you're the, you know, person putting in all the miles. I mean, what, what has crew and what have Pacers done in the past that have really helped you? And what have they done to hinder you? You don't need to like call out John from 2007's <laughs> race or whoever it was, but you know, are, are there aspects that crew and Pacers can, can do to help and hurt? Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've, I think I've had, you know, I, I look back and I, I, I count sometimes like, I think I've had nearly 20 different people that have crewed me at this race. And so it's just crazy. Cause it's like, I can't like, I don't even know if there's any other race I've done where I've had more than, you know, two or three different people that have crewed me over the years. And so it's just, it, it's kind of cool to think back on and like, they've all done a great job, but like some, you know, probably did a better, a little bit better job than others. And you know, they don't necessarily need to be like top notch runners to be a great crew. Um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's the people that want it the most, <laughs> like you do, obviously, when you run this race, that are the best crew because they'll do they'll do whatever they can, you know, to make sure um, that every, that you know to make adjustments and like because because I'm always like screaming out adjustments during the race, like oh this went bad, this went great, you know, let's do this instead of that. And I think like, if you're just like kind of taking photos and just like, not really (laughs) tuned, you're not going to be a great crew person. But like, if you're not even a runner and like, you've never seen a running race in your life, but you show up to a race and you're like, Oh, I want this person to succeed. Like you can be a great, you know, crew person. And cause, cause you're in tune to the, you know, a million adjustments that, that have to take place. I mean, is it like 101, and you're a, a, a business analyst, correct? I'm trying to recall. Yep. Um, is it kind of like 101 business-related stuff? Like communication is going to be key for the situation? And I mean, I guess that applies to most things in life beyond business. But I mean, is it being able to communicate through the highs, through the lows, and then being dynamic with your game plan kind of? I mean, essentially kind of 101 ultra running. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. From a crew standpoint, I think, um, you know, it's, it's not getting ahead of yourself. It's keeping, you know, keeping your runner, not only physically, you know, in shape, but, you know, mentally in shape. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think I, and, and I think, you know, it's, you know, it's just like sometimes you have to, in you know, in ultra running, you have to take, you have to make a decision for your runner before, you know, they make that decision. And in Badwater, it's you know, it's three or four times fold probably. Like when there's an issue coming up, you have to, you you don't just have to address it; you have to tackle it um, before it you know derails your race completely, just because of you know, all the leverage of all the conditions that can, um, throw you off. That is gold right there. 
So you're the conditions in bad water are leveraging things to the point where your margin for error is so slim that it only takes not addressing one issue to kind of derail your whole race. Is that what you're saying essentially? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, like the year that I DNF, um, you know, I, I think, you know, because of my heat train, well, it was mostly, I think, because I didn't heat train enough, but you know, like I, 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 I laid in a van, um, on the side of the road for maybe three or four hours. If I remember right with my, my calves, just, it looked like there were fish swimming in my calves. And I told, I, I had my friend like basically holding my foot at a right angle. I was so, um, I was cramping up if I, if I tried to straighten out my leg, um, or my foot, I would just get stuck in this like cramp position. <laughs> so like, it's just things like that. Like once you get to the point of no return, like I, you know, I, for the next 20 to 30 miles, I tried to come back and it, it was just hours and hours of my body telling me, no, you're not going to come back from this. So yeah, what? it's just, and is that, I mean, you obviously corrected that problem over the years. Was that simply dehydration? Was that like not enough electrolytes or what, what could cause a situation like that? Not that at the end of my race two days ago, my foot was cramping kind of to a right degree angle. Um, is yeah. that, is that like just pure dehydration? Or is that something I think different? So. Yeah, I think it's a combination of several things. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, sometimes it can be the wrong day, but like, I think I didn't heat train enough and like my body, and, and that was the worst condition year, I think, um, in 2018, the, you know, the, the temperatures were, you know, hovering near, you know, record temperature, like, you yeah. know, 130. Yep. And, you know, once I think the, world record temperature in death Valley is like 134. And so we were, you know, we were hovering within, you know, 10 degrees of that record. Um, that's on, that that's on earth, by the way, that's not just. Death yeah. Valley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of a contest between Libya and death Valley. And I think, true, true. you know, I think death Valley is probably more reputable as far as the reporting goes, but either way, you know, 134, 135, um, yeah, I think, you know, it just, it kind of hit me. It was like the perfect storm because, you know, otherwise, you know, I've had years at Badwater where I still finish. Um, even if, if I have a terrible race, like I'll, I'll find a way to, <laughs> to muster up something to get across the line. But that year it was just, you know, I didn't, I didn't train in the heat enough. And then, you know, it was the worst heat, you know, the race I've ever seen in it really really bit me pretty hard and there was no coming back from it is there a single electrolyte that you alter to to change the balance of things like is it specifically potassium or sodium or are you looking at scientifically like when you adjust things year to year yeah you know i try to get a you know i don't focus too much on any specific like electrolyte like because i think you know it's 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 impossible you know on the on the go in a race like that to to measure every you know everything but 
um, for the most part is I, I do like, I do some like hedging where I, um, I use different supplements from different companies. So like I'll use like hammer Enduralites, and then I'll use, um, succeed S caps. So I'll take both the hour. You were they like, I'm getting a little bit, you know, just a little different formula maybe some ultra, ultra, um, salt pills as well. Um, and so I, I you know, I, t- and I take in Gatorade and I eat potato chips, um, just to get a lot of different, you know, sources of electrolytes, um, so that I'm not just like depending on one. You are the only person I've talked to ever to say that. And that is worth, <laughs> it's worth rewinding if you're listening to this. Like I've literally, I've thought to myself, Enduralites and Enduralite Extreme, both hammer products, don't work the same way as S caps. They just work a little differently. And yeah. I haven't had the time. This is what I do for fun like you and I, I just haven't had the time to compare those two but you were the first person to say like you use multiple different sources of electrolytes um i've found that the high glucose kind of just overly sugary electrolyte mixes that specifically they have leadville right now um do not work <laughs> do not work for me like they just uh, whatever that formula is, my body's just so accustomed to S caps and Enduro lights that I have trouble with it, but that's fascinating, Pete. I'm mm-hmm. glad you said that. Um, yeah. How, how do you feel as a runner? Like how vulnerable, vulnerable do you feel like with your crew and pacers? Like this is a race where you could be of your caliber ready to run across the United States or whatever race comes up. This is a race where you're highly dependent on your crew and pacers. Like how does that make you feel as a runner? Yeah. I, you know, I think well, that's the big thing. I think you always have people that you, you trust out there, you know, and that, that's what I've been always lucky with because, you know, sometimes if you're an international runner, like you, you don't have many options and you have to just kind of rely on, you know, who, you know, is willing to come out there with you. So I've been blessed with, you know, so many close friends and people that I know that have gone out there with me. And so, you know, that's one thing I, I, I don't really worry too much about. That's, that's a, that's confident answer. Um, I I wasn't expecting (laughs) that. Um, And so, I mean, I want to I want to shift gears a little bit, and I want to ask sort of some one-off questions, Badwater related. You you're starting at the lowest point in the continental U.S., and then you're working up thirteen, fourteen thousand feet. Does the temperature cool down, and is the pain level so high by the time the temperature? likely shifts lower that like your your pain's constant throughout this whole race yeah i you know i think so and that's the thing like i think in you know the early years of the race like it was like okay get through death valley and then the race starts um but now that we have the night start like i think you know in some ways it's like 
um, you know, it, it's like, it's just hot the whole race. Like it's, it's, you know, you're starting in the evening and like the temperatures are still pretty hot. And like, I think like there's really no reprieve. <laughs> from Yeah. It's just like, okay, it's a hundred plus degrees when I start. It's 120, it's 115 degrees instead of 125 <laughs> degrees, you know, at the hottest section of the day. Um, so like, I think that's like one of the things it's like, it's always like, you're always getting just like punched in the face, but I think like it also in some way, so I, I don't really think there's like a big difference either way, but I think like you, there's not like this magical evening section where you can just all of a sudden start running, you know, in like 80 degree temperatures because like even the evenings are, it's really hot. Um, until you get to, you know, the very finish. So your core is still running hot, right? Essentially (laughs) like, yeah, I mean, that's maybe how I should open up a film about bad waters with like the Mike Tyson quote about being punched in the face. Like what is it? Everyone has a plan or something to that effect. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I was just talking, well, I was actually writing about that in an article the other day. (laughs) It's like, you know, it's like there, even like, like it's the epitome of ultra running training because like you never know how things are going to go day to day and you kind of just have to manage day to day in ultra running training. And that's kind of the same thing in bad water. You have to manage mile to mile because like, you're just going to continually get punched. Like you're not going to have like this magical section of the race where it's perfect conditions. Everything's great. Like it's always gonna, <laughs> you're always going to be, there's always going to be blood droplets on the canvas. Yeah. Like ev- every mile. Yeah. You're never going to stop uh, losing blood until you get to the finish. That's crazy, man. Um, I have to ask you, you've, you've run this race more than most. What's the craziest wildlife? Cause I unfortunately Google searched that and, uh, those spiders are pretty big out there. Have you seen anything <laughs> crazy? <laughs> that, yeah. I, you know, I, I've seen a few spiders out there, you know, there's, there's really nothing. I mean, they'll, I think the only thing you could worry about is when you park your car at the finish line, like don't leave any f- food <laughs> in your car because there's bears, but I mean, that's it. I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's nocturnal animals. I don't, you don't see out there, but that's, you don't see anything. I I mean, as far as animals go. And whether these are real or not, um, I, I I don't want to imagine hallucinating spiders, but that's probably where my mind would go or snakes or something. What what's been the worst? Have have you hallucinated at Badwater? And if you haven't, have you seen a ghost there or two? <laughs> How do you tell no. the difference? <laughs> yeah, not really, because unfortunately, you know, I I mean, I'm sure I've hallucinated. Like, you know, the the funny thing is, the first time I ever was in Lone Pine, uh, which is where near the finish line of the race. Um, I was 14 years old and I was hiking Mount Whitney and I had never run a 5k, never. I mean, I was 14, yes, 14 years old. So I, this is pre running pre even knowing how the far marathon goes or an ultra. So I had no concept of 
bad water. Um, but like I got really dehydrated when I hiked Mount Whitney <laughs> in 2002 um, as a kid. And I remember coming down like I was by myself and my family was behind me, maybe, you know, an hour or two. And um, I was hallucinating a lot. Like that's the only time I've really hallucinated. And it was, it was pre running Pete. And I remember seeing like things like, Oh, I think I see the, I think I see the, um, a car down there and it was just a big rock. And I thought, Oh, I see the parking lot. And it was just like, this boulder field. And like, I saw, I thought I saw a lot of things coming down from that hike. So it was kind of funny that, um, my, maybe my most like crazy hallucination experience was like where Badwater takes place and finishes. <laughs> but it was as a 14 year old doing a completely different thing. Um, and when I got done with that hike, I actually got to the, um, back to the portal where the Badwater 135 finishes and, um, I remember I, I thought I saw, I, I saw a water, uh, spigot and I walked up to it really slowly and I touched it very slowly to make sure it was real. <laughs> and there was a family having a picnic right next to it. And I, and they, I'm sure they're just like, this guy is out of his oh, mind. Drugs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, like ever since then, you know, I've never out there, like, it's just funny. Like I've. I've had like a lot of crazy thoughts while doing the race, but that's probably my best story from out in uh, the Owens Valley. I mean, literally your hallucination stories sound like every other 200 miler I've done. It's like, ugh, that's how you get to oh, the next sure. aid station, you know? Um, yeah, I, I bet. That's fascinating though, that you haven't hallucinated that much. Uh, the guy I'm, I'm, crewing and pacing Dion Leonard has like barely ever hallucinated. So, I mean, I don't think you guys are tapping into your true potential. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I always think that, you know, hallucinating, like that's the weird thing is like the two years that I, I had my best times at bad water were like the most, you know, unceremonious, like that. And I think that's why it's really hard to write a movie about, ultra running is because when things go well there's not that many fireworks and (laughs) cool stories and then like it's the back of the pack people that would actually probably be the the coolest um you know movie scripts middle of the pack come on yeah Uh, okay dion already has a movie deal like i think disney sold the rights to sony so we're waiting for your book pete I, I'll buy it. I'll be first. I'll be first in line. Sounds good. Um, how how has training been? How has how has COVID been? I don't know if I've heard you on any podcast recently. Like, I a guy like you that's used to just being, you know, jumping in from doing business work to then doing just epic, you know, races and FKTs and that sort of stuff. Like, have you, have you had trouble in 2020? Like, I mean, I've put on 10 pounds, Mm -hmm. like it's been rough on me for sure. Um, has it been rough on you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, that's a thing, like 
the one, I think the two things I learned the most about the pandemic was like, and it, you know, maybe it was because I, I still thought there was like this, this carrot on a, on a stick, like sitting out there, but you know, I, I kept running. Like I didn't care. Like I, you know, and that was really self-assuring. Like I love to run. Like even if there weren't races, like I would continue to do that. But no, like as far as race specific training, I was terrible. Like, <laughs> I just, like, I just, yeah, I, I didn't have it. Like I did a race at the end of um, 2020 and I just wasn't in like race shape. Like I didn't have any discipline. I didn't have like enough workouts built in. I kind of was just doing junk miles and that type of thing. So, you know, I think 2021 has been going a lot better. You know, I haven't like, I, I try not to like, you know, kick myself in the butt too much, you know, over a bad week and that type of thing. Um, but no, I think it's been going pretty good. Like I, I think it's just, I've, I've treated it well. Like, you know, I had a couple minor injury hiccups this year. Um, so I had to, you know, drop from a race that I was going to do in June, but you know, I think it's, it's going well. And I think, um, you know, I think that's, you, you have to just kind of ease back into it. I think if for anyone, you know, cause we've been away from races and like, if you have a bad race coming back in, like it's not the end of the world because, you know, there's a lot to gain from, you know, recent race history. Like if you haven't raced for a long time, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to have a great race in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, from my limited experience, it was like, well, I was injured for the Leadville marathon, but, uh, just on Saturday, it was like that re like, I don't know. It was like, just the excitement around ultra running that I almost forgot about, you know, like I forgot what it sounds like when people are cheering for even guys like me, middle of the pack, you know, like, uh, I'll definitely be able to leverage that into my training runs and whatnot. But I, I forgot what it's like to be excited at a race. Cause it'd been so long. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel the same way. And it was just a different, a different feel like, you know, when there were races, if there were any, you know, in, in 2020 or at the end of 2020 or the beginning of 2021, you know, it just, it just kind of felt like, you know, it was like, you know, you wanted them to happen because you wanted to get back out there, but it just, they were just totally different. Oh yeah. I, I feel like, my la- the silver rush was the first time I'd seen large crowds and people sincerely excited and no one was like, you know, overly nervous. And it, it felt like, yes, like we're back as a community finally. So hopefully, hopefully we don't get derailed here. Um, but yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. I mean, what else? What else about Badwater? I mean, in my opinion, I talked to Chris Kostman for half an hour. The guy was super sharp, like very smart, quick-witted, and caring enough to actually take a half an hour out of his time to chat with me about all the regulations and 
and film-related stuff. Um, Chris must like you if he let you into his <laughs> his invite-only race six times and now seven. Um, yeah. I, I mean, what? I mean, what? What is it about you, Pete, that makes Chris like you so much that you keep getting invited? I know you're pretty damn quick, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think, I think it's just the appreciation and like, that's what I think is so cool about the race. Like, I don't think, you know, when people are like, Oh, it's so hot. Like it's the hottest race on the planet. And like, yeah, it's hot. But like you, you, the race is so much more than the heat, um, which I think the heat, you know, it kind of draws you in, you know, it's national geographic. It's the, ESPN magazines. I mean, honestly, when I was in college, I think I read about the bad water and ESPN magazine and I didn't have anything to do with running. Um, and so I think it's just like, it's, it's that lures people in, but when you get out there, it's like you have these, it, it's almost like there's like these three gigantic amphitheaters larger than life. It's, the, it's like the true death Valley where the race starts with bad water. It's the Panama Valley, which is my favorite part of the course, you know, in the middle section of the race. And then it's the Owens Valley where you see Mount Whitney and you are like heading straight for that epic finish up to the mountain. Like, it's just like, it's just, and, and along the way you have jets flying over you, like, before you can ever like you see them before you can ever hear them, like just doing training flights through star Wars Canyon and things like that. I mean, it's just, it's such a incredible experience to do the race that, I mean, that's honestly the reason I keep doing it is because it's just these three giant, you know, valleys, three giant amphitheaters of just amazingness that, you know, a lot of people don't go to see, um, but I encourage, you know, any ultra runner to do the race or, or crew or, you know, pace or do something, you know, with the race. Cause it's just such a cool experience. So when you get that email from Chris saying, Hey Pete, like, we'd love to have you, like you're invited this year. Um, how, how do you feel when you get invited to something like this? Because I, when I was talking to Dion, he's like, more people have summited Everest than have finished Badwater. I mean, and honestly, this day and age, if only 100 people per year are invited, I mean, this is making Western states look like loose and easy race to get into. Like, uh, like what, what's it feel like when you get that invite and where does it rank on your priority list? Yeah, you know, I mean, more so than than just the nature of just the exclusivity. I think it's just the like what I was mentioning about the experience. I think it's it's just the 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 chance to go out there with, you know, I I have like you know my sister is going to crew for me this year, and she's never been out there since we were probably you know I was probably four years old um, and don't remember it, <laughs> and so and and she was probably you know ten years old. And so, I mean, it's just, that's the thing I think I, I, I think about the most nowadays. Like, I, I think I thought about that a lot at the beginning, like, oh, the exclusivity of the race, but really it's just, you know, it's the amazingness of the venue. 
and just the the three values the, the three val- uh, valleys you cross a, and it just like that's the amazing atmosphere um you know which is brought up brought about by the scenery but then also your crew because i don't think either of the two could you know be as amazing by themselves and i appreciate all your time here i'm trying to get to the root of this so your family went out to Badwater when you were growing up like every year or something death valley yeah no so we we went so we i think we went out to california on a road trip when i was four years old um and we we crossed through death valley but i don't remember that and then when i was 14 years old 10 years later um my dad and two of my sisters um climbed Mount Whitney with me. But that was like, those two trips were completely separate from any knowledge about running or ultra running. But that's, so that's interesting. You have the opportunity to do, you know, this prestigious race, but then also reflect on, you know, growing up and in some memorable years in your life that obviously, I mean, if, if you had hated Mount Whitney, so much you probably wouldn't have ever signed up for bad water (laughs) (laughs) like yeah like those poor kids at that picnic bench next to the water fountain that saw you rolling up Mm -hmm. probably would never sign up for bad water because of that experience of seeing a hallucinating pete um i'm joking um (laughs) (laughs) well it's funny i mean it's funny because you know, the, those were like the two big hikes I ever did when I was 12 and 14 was, um, I did when I was 14 doing Mount Whitney and, and succeeding. And then when I was 12 or actually before I was 12, I failed. But when I was 12 hiking, um, to the top of, um, Mount Elbert. And so having, you know, I had no clue that the Leadville 100 and the Badwater 135 were right at my doorstep, you know, like two big, you know, hikes when I was a kid. And then, you know, here I am going back to those, especially Death Valley, you know, each year. And and so maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Maybe it's psychological. <laughs> I, I'm just your, your free doctor for the day here. Um <laughs> So, yeah, lay back. Tell me about when you were a kid. No, um, I I have two last questions for you, Pete. And I know we're a week out from Badwater, so I don't want to, you know, over overly tax you here. Um, first of all, like, what do people not understand about Badwater? Like, it's almost like what advice, but in a sense, like, what aspects of this course does you know the vast majority of people not understand yeah you know i think i think the thing about bad water is i I think the thing that most people don't understand is i mean you have some of the biggest mountains um in the u.s and maybe probably the biggest mountains in the u.s outside of alaska um because i mean you have these mountains that are starting at literally below sea level in some cases and stretching up to 10,000 plus feet. And then, you know, once you get to Lone Pine, you have Mount Whitney, you know, Lone Pine's at 3000 feet and Mount Whitney's at 14,000 feet. I mean, you just, it's just such an incredible landscape mixed in with the valleys 
Um, and so I, I think that's the thing is like, you're not just running in the desert. Like you're not just running, you know, across sand for 135 miles. And I, I think it's just such an incredible place. Like it's just, you know, the, the place is undeniably my favorite in the world. Um, to visit and I've been, you know, not, I haven't been to a ton of places, but I've been to a lot of places and, you know, Death Valley in that area between Badwater and Lone Pine is just magnificent, magnificent. That's interesting. Have you, have you seen eggs fry on the road? Have you seen your shoes melt on the road? Um, you know, I, I think the, the shoe melting piece is a little bit, of a myth or maybe from previous years, I've never had my shoes melt. Um, but you know, you, you can certainly crack an egg and fry it out there. That's for sure. That's interesting. All right. Last question. And that is how do you fit this all in? You are working full time and you're competing at a level that very few are able to accomplish how would you recommend someone that is trying to balance work life or work run um, all, all into one and be able to actually perform at your level? Do you have one or two tips or secrets that, that you recommend? Yeah. You know, I, th- I think it's just, I mean, it becomes, it's just motivation and priorities. I think like, you know, if, if you're not, and that's the great thing about ultra running is I think the people that generally do well are the ones that want it the most because they, you know, put in all the things they needed to do to get to where they need to be. So, I mean, I think it's just, you have to find, you know, what you're really motivated by. And if it's not bad water, then don't, you know, don't try to sign up for bad water, you know, sign up for, you know, a 200 mile epic <laughs> race around Tahoe or whatever. Um, but you know, I think that's the thing is like, you're not going to be motivated. Like you're always going to be able to find time in the week, you know, whether you're Mike Wardian, you know, traveling all over the country doing races every weekend and still having a family and a full-time job. It's like, you're always going to have time, you know, to get it in. It's just whether, you know, you're motivated enough by it and, and, and passionate enough. I love it. I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more good reminder to try to get Mike on here soon. And <laughs> Pete, where can people follow you? Cause I know you'll give us a few updates as you're going into bad water. And then I'm going to try to incorporate you into the upcoming film I'm doing on bad water. Where can people follow you on social media? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I use Instagram, uh, Pete Kostelnik on there. Um, Pete's feet across America <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> Uh, I still use that. Um, and then I guess I like Strava. I just, I post everything on Strava as far as running goes. So if you're ever curious about what I'm doing, you know, training wise or race wise, it's all out there. Pete makes it look easy. I highly recommend him, you know, highly recommend following him on social. Thank you for taking so much time tonight to, uh, share some of your, your background on Badwater and some insights on Badwater. Just really appreciate your time, Pete. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. I really appreciate it. Had a lot of fun. That was episode 174 of the Training for Ultra podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. 
If you did, make sure to subscribe. Feel free to check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash training for ultra. Really um, appreciate everyone subscribing to that channel. But thank you, Pete, for taking so much time. I'll see him here shortly. Big shout out to the new title sponsor, Tonry Outdoors. Definitely check out their website. And they're such a new sponsor, I don't even have a promo code yet, but I will be getting one for 10% off here. Big shout out to Exoskin. Uh, Really appreciate their long-term support of basically everything I do. So definitely check out the show notes for a coupon code there. Same with Hammer Nutrition, longtime supporter. Big thank you to you Patreon supporters. We're going to get a hat figured out here. I know we're going back and forth um, in the in the Facebook group on the design, but we'll figure out something, get you a, a special custom hat for being a Patreon supporter. Along with that sticker, check out the Strava Run Club. So appreciate you guys. I'm headed out to Badwater here shortly. Don't forget to enjoy your training. Have a great week. See ya.